Like butter tarts? I was lying on the grass a Sunday morning of last week Indulging in my self-defeat Hi everyone, this is Michael Volkoff and this is episode 156 of Corruption, Crime and Compliance. And our episode today is about OFAC enforcement and screening errors. Before we get started, here's a word from our sponsor, Steel Compliance Solutions. Steel Compliance is the global leader in compliance and ethics management. Steel's compliance and ethics platform is comprehensive, robust, and easy to use to promote a company's culture of compliance. Steel partners with the world's largest, most respected companies to deliver compliance products and services that help organizations embrace a culture of compliance while protecting their brand. Building an ethical culture is a complex undertaking that requires a detailed understanding of the global compliance environment, considerable time, and specialized expertise. Steel's end-to-end ethics and compliance platform is designed to provide compliance officers with the solutions they need to proactively address changing regulatory and reputational risks. Steel's Ethics and Compliance Automated Platform offers critical functions designed to promote a speak-up culture to advance employee engagement, reporting, and incident management, investigate promptly and fairly potential incidents to ensure compliance with your organization's code of conduct and applicable laws and regulations, including anti-corruption, anti-money laundering, antitrust, sanctions, cybersecurity, and data privacy. Manage your organization's compliance policies and procedures to ensure that policies are updated and disseminated effectively so that employees understand your organization's compliance requirements. Educate and engage your organization to promote understanding in how your compliance program applies to -to day-to-day operations. And evaluate and monitor your organization's business partners, vendors, suppliers, and customers to mitigate risk and ensure adherence to your organization's ethics and compliance requirements. To learn more about Steel's Compliance Solutions, please contact us at email steelglobal.com or call 415-692-5000. Well, I thought we'd spend some time today talking about OFAC enforcement. We've seen uh, sort of a return from OFAC uh, after the COVID um, pandemic started and and, uh, they're sort of resuming some of their enforcement actions, even though the pandemic continues unabated. Um, and uh, I thought we would highlight what's a really interesting issue to me is uh, OFAC enforcement and screening errors. And I guess my reason for focusing on this was that two of the largest companies uh, in the in the world, Apple and Amazon, um, have basically been cited by OFAC for screening errors and OFAC uh, sanctions violations. And if there's any companies uh, that shouldn't be in trouble, it should be those two. If there are any two companies that have the resources for compliance, it should be those two. But yet we find in both of their cases, they ended up uh, having basic screening errors, which uh, really is questionable uh, in my mind. So look, we can look at some of these individual enforcement actions. There's more than just uh, Apple and um, uh, Amazon to look at in this area. And I thought it would help to sort of highlight the issue that you can't just sort of throw a name into a screening function and just hope, uh, you know, that if it comes back green, you can go ahead and go with it. There have to be controls built around it. There have to be uh, a whole host of sort of double checks and way to make sure that you don't run into a problem. So let's go through, uh, this kind of, uh, 
issue. And I wanted to start at the OFAC sanctions compliance guidance, which came out in 2019 on May 1st. And uh, I think in the guidance itself, one of the five requisite elements for an effective uh, sanctions compliance program is called internal controls, which should enable, quote, enable the organization to clearly and effectively identify, interdict, escalate, and report, close quote, potential violations. With specific reference to automated screening programs, OFAC stated, quote, to the extent information technology solutions factor into the organization's internal controls, the organization has selected and calibrated the solutions in a manner that is appropriate to address the organization's risk profile and compliance needs, and the organization routinely tests the solutions to ensure effectiveness. So a company's OFAC compliance program is obviously built on a screening system, but a screening program is just one piece of an effective set of internal controls. It's imperative that a company build appropriate controls around the screening technology and ensure that relevant information is collected, the screening system is calibrated to work efficiently, and that controls are in place to identify and escalate and report to appropriate personnel potential transactions and risks of an OFAC violation. The sanctions uh, compliance guidance also included an appendix of the 10 most common root causes of OFAC sanctions violations, one of which, right on point, is entitled Sanction Screening Software or Filter Faults. Under this heading, OFAC explained, organizations have failed to update their sanction screening software, to incorporate updates to the SDN list or SSI list, fail to include pertinent identifiers such as SWIFT business identifier codes for designated, blocked, or sanctioned financial institutions, or did not account for alternative spellings of prohibited countries or parties, particularly in instances in which the organization is domiciled or conducts business in geographies that frequently utilize such alternative spellings. And they had examples of Habana, H-A-B-A-N-A, instead of Havana, Cuba with a K instead of Cuba with a C, Sudan, S-O-U-D-A-N, instead of S-U-D-A-N. These are just examples. But OFAC highlights in a passive voice instances in which organizations fail to account for alternative spellings. In other words, where errors, human or machine, occurred. However, in context, OFAC's expectations are clear that the internal controls have to account for human and or machine errors and include processes to address those specific risks. So with respect to the technology solution or the screening software, OFAC has made it clear that organizations should calibrate their systems, test the system, take a prohibited party or make a, uh, you know, put in an uh, erroneous spelling and make sure that it still catches the uh, SDN correctly. To the extent human error can be the root cause, OFAC expects that organizations conduct regular training of responsible control persons, which would obviously include persons who are doing processing screening requests for OFAC compliance purposes. So now let's turn to some of the cases uh, and the examples that we have. And uh, there have been, in the last two years, OFAC has brought four enforcement actions that really focus on the organization's screening errors. And let's talk about those. The first is uh, American Express. Second is Cobum Metallics. The third is Apple. And the fourth is Amazon. Uh, 
So on April 30th, 2020, OFAC issued a finding of violation against American Express Travel Services for violations of the Weapons of Mass Destruction Proliferation Sanctions Regulations, more than a mouthful. Between March uh, 26, 2015 and May 19, 2015, American Express issued prepaid cards to and processed 41 transactions, uh, $35,246 for Gerhard Weiser, a specially designated national. According to OFAC, these errors were the result of human error and screening systems defects. Uh, American Express evaded any monetary penalty because it remediated and voluntarily disclosed the violations. So here are the facts of what happened. In January 2009, Weiser was added to the SDN list. Six years later, he applied for an American Express global travel card at a non-U.S. bank. When the non-U.S. bank entered Weiser's information into its screening program, the system identified Weiser as a potential SDN match and automatically generated multiple declined messages rejecting the application. The non-U.S. bank made several additional approval attempts, which led the risk engine to time out, which then triggered the approval of the application. So there was a, uh, it would try to re uh, renew or to try to get the, the approval through. And then if it timed out, uh, they it the presumption was it would be approved. After the approval message was generated, the system separately routed the application into a manual review queue. And the Amex compliance analyst incorrectly term determined that the individual applying for the global travel card was not the SDN and placed him in the company's accept list. Wiser then conducted two initial deposit transactions and then 39 withdrawal transactions. Uh, so we had a combination in this case of a machine error in the processing and the, and the uh, timing out, but also we had a backup of a, of a review by an analyst who somehow determined that uh, Weiser was not on the SDN list. So this was uh, the system timeout was a problem. The manual the manual problem uh, by the review by the analyst uh, sort of uh, underscored the need for training. But nonetheless, Amex, because it disclosed it, it was a small amount of transactions, did not get a penalty imposed, but just had a notice of an infraction. Cobham Holdings, though, is a different case. In December 2018, OFAC settled with Cobham Holdings and its former subsidiary, Metallics, uh, which was a software company, for $87,507 for violations of OFAC's Ukraine-Russia sanctions program. Metallics violated it on three occasions between July 31st, 2014 and January 15th, 2015 by selling telecommunications and computer software through distributors in Canada to a prohibited SDN. Prior to December 14th, 2015, Metallics was a subsidiary of Cobham, a global provider of technology and services in aviation, electronics, communications, and defense. While negotiating for the sale, the prospective purchaser, obviously conducting due diligence, identified a July 31st, 2014 shipment to a distributor in Canada for end use by Almaz and AAT in Russia. Cobham investigated the shipment and discovered that in December 2014 and January 2015, 
Metallics made two additional shipments through Russian distributor for end use by AAT. Interestingly, AAT was not specifically listed on OFAC's SDN list, but was 51% owned by joint stock company concern Almaz NT, JSC, Almaz NT. JSC is the joint stock corporation uh, nomenclature used in Russia, which was added by OFAC to the SDN list on July 16, 2014, two weeks before the first July 31st, 2014 shipment. Uh, accordingly, AAT was blocked at the time Metallics engaged in the two transactions and the three specific shipments to AAT through the Canadian and Russian distributors. On January 18, 2014, or June 18, 2014, Metallics agreed to ship an order of switches and switch limiters through the Canadian distributor to AAT for $1.1 million. The next day, Metallics performed a sanctions and denied party screening for the order that returned red flags for Russia generally, but not AAT specifically, since JSC Almaz NT had not yet been added to the SDN list. Metallics did not have sufficient stock to fill the order and therefore split the order into two shipments. The first occurred on June 27, 2014. They performed another screening with similar results. Uh, it had not, in other words, clearing it. Metallics forwarded the NU certificate to its director of compliance who approved the transaction and Metallics shipped the first part of the order on June 27, 2014. Now, several weeks later on July 16th, OFAC designated JSC, Almaz and added it to the SDN list and Metallics sent the second shipment on July 31st and again performed a screening. But despite searching using the terms Almaz, A-L-M-A-Z, and ANTE, A-N-T-E-Y, Metallics' search produced no warnings or red flags for AAT. Again, the director of trade compliance approved the transaction and they shipped the second part of the order. Uh, in October of 2014, Metallics received an order for 10 samples uh, and, and some other equipment from a Russian distributor for end use by AAT. On October 27th, they performed another screening and again, did not return any matches or red flags and was approved. And then they sent uh, the shipments in late 2015 and early January 2016. Cobham later determined that its screening software failed to generate an alert because the entry of the information emitted the term telecom, in quotes, and metallic software required an all-word match, in other words, 100% match, even though Metallics had set the search criteria to fuzzy to detect partial matches. As a result, the software failed to flag Almaz Ente when Cobham searched for Almaz Ente Telecom. Now, this case obviously reiterates, uh, underscores the steps that you have to take to test your screening software, make sure that you don't have your settings at 100% all match, uh, even though they had a fuzzy match, whatever that means, and appropriate personnel are trained on its functionality. But omitting the one word should not lead to no red flag or no indication uh, with regard to potential risk. Okay, let's turn now to uh, what I find the Amazon and Apple cases, which are to me just really questionable that here we have two of the mighty companies and they fall to the OFAC sword 
And if anybody should have a compliance program that's robust, effective, it should be these two, especially given their profile of, uh, you know, operating globally. Apple, in its case, uh, agreed to pay OFAC 467000 which is about six seconds of their revenue, uh, for violations of the Foreign Narcotics Kingpin Sanctions Regulations. In 2008, Apple entered into uh, an application development agreement with SIS, a Slovenian company, and SIS and its director and majority owner, Savo Stepanovic, were designated under the Foreign Narcotics Kingpin Designation Act and added to the SDN list. Apple's screening tool failed to identify SIS and Stepanovic. According to Apple, its screening tool failed to match different uppercase and lowercase letters that appeared in Apple's system and the SDN list. Specifically, Apple claimed that its screening software failed to match the um, uppercase name, S-I-S-D-O-O. D-O-O is the sort of corporate equivalent uh, indication for Slovenian companies. With the lowercase name, quote. Um, so the difference here is between full caps and initial caps. Two months after OFAC's designation of Stepanovich, Apple facilitated the transfer of a portion of SIS's applications to a second software company, which several months later transferred the ownership of the remaining applications to a third company. The owner of the company substituted its banking information for payments. Apple didn't rescreen the parties to these transactions. Now, Apple acknowledged that the address in its system matched the address listed in the SDN de designation. Also, uh, Apple incorrectly listed Stepanovich as an account administrator rather than as a developer, and they only screened developers rather than account administrators, which they clearly should have uh, screened everybody. So Apple uh, allowed downloads and sales of the blocked SIS application, received payments from the App Store users who downloaded the SIS applications, and permitted SIS to transfer and sell its applications to two other developers and remitted to SIS each month the revenues produced by the locked SIS applications blocked. Apple discovered the violations in February 2017 when it upgraded its sanction screening tool, and they immediately suspended payments to the SIS account. However, it took multiple months to suspend payments to a third party that processed payments for SIS. In total, Apple made 47 payments to SIS in violation of OFAC sanctions. They collected about $1.2 million over 54 months from customers who downloaded the illegal uh, SIS operations applications. Uh, Apple uh, voluntarily disclosed the matter cooperated and remediated their program and reconfigured their sanctioned screening tool and then imposed mandatory training for all employees on the regulations surrounding sanctions. Again, not a bright moment for uh, Apple and considering again their resources, their stock is now over 400 uh, so uh, per share. Uh, it's amazing to think of uh, how little they paid attention to the compliance angle in this case. Following in their footsteps this year, Amazon settled with OFAC for $134,000 for violations of multiple OFAC sanctions program. And it stemmed again from deficiencies from its sanctions screening processes. Between, for a seven-year period, November 2011 to October 2018, 
Persons in Crimea, Iran, and Syria placed orders on Amazon's website for consumer and retail goods and services. The transaction information confirmed that the persons were located in Crimea, Iran, and Syria. In addition, Amazon accepted and processed orders for persons located in or employed by foreign missions of Cuba, Iran, North Korea, Sudan, and Syria in different locations outside their countries. Overall, the violations involved low-value retail goods and services for which the total transaction value was around 269000 Now, Amazon's screening system failed to fully analyze all transaction and customer data. In some cases, customer orders referenced a sanctions jurisdiction, a city within a sanctioned jurisdiction, or a common alternative spelling for a sanctioned jurisdiction. For some reason, Amazon's screening program failed to flag these transactions. OFAC cited several examples. Let's go through these. One, Amazon did not flag orders with an address field containing an address in Yalta, Y-A-L-T-A, comma, Crimea with a K, K-R-I-M-E-A, for the term Yalta, a city in Crimea, nor the variation of the spelling of Crimea. And Crimea, obviously, there's a prohibition under the Russia sanctions for dealing uh, providing these kinds of goods to anybody in Crimea. Two, Amazon did not flag or prevent shipments to the embassy of Iran located in other countries. And three, in several hundred instances, Amazon failed to flag the correctly spelled names and address, addresses of persons on OFAC's SDN list. OFAC cited uh, lack of due caution or care when it implemented sanctioned screening processes because Amazon did not properly review or assess addresses, customer names, or common variations of data as part of its sanctioned screening. So they, Amazon implemented significant remedial measures and they agreed to employ uh, you know, internal and third-party uh, reviewers to look at their compliance program. And they also enhanced its sanctions jurisdiction internet protocol blocking controls and implemented automated processes to update its mapping of IP addresses and ranges associated with sanctioned jurisdictions. In commenting on the case and lessons learned, OFAC noted that global companies that rely heavily on automated sanctions screening processes should take reasonable risk-based steps to ensure that their processes are appropriately configured to screen relevant customer information and to capture data quality issues, such as common misspellings. Routine testing of these processes to ensure effectiveness and identify deficiencies may also be appropriate. Well, that's a quick run through on four important cases relating to screening errors. Um, obviously, the point here is that these screening errors are part and parcel of an entire system of controls. In other words, you have to have what I would call, um, you know, backstops, and you have to have uh, processes to ensure that you get four eyes to go through these things, and then a process to escalate whenever there's a close question uh, so that it can be evaluated, identified, and then hopefully remediated. What's clear from these cases uh, that I've cited is that there were errors that occurred and there was one person uh, or a small group of people who essentially would let these transactions go through and made errors uh, or the system had errors. 
Uh, it's amazing to me that, for example, Amazon did not have uh, the IP addresses of prohibited jurisdictions and ranges uh, in its system to block the use of computer addresses uh, ordering products uh, from sanctioned jurisdictions. So there are lots of lessons learned here in all of these cases, and it requires everybody to take a step back and go look again and do a review of sort of the screening process and the protocols surrounding that screening process. Anyway, thanks again. Uh, stay safe, stay healthy, stay in touch. Let us know if you need anything, uh, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkov Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. You can learn more about the legal and compliance services we offer at our website, www.volkovlaw.com. You can also follow our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can contact Michael Volkov at his email address, mvolkov at volkovlaw.com. Cheers.